to a better life, helping us to be better individuals, helping us to grow a little bit in our relationship with the Lord. Now, these, these messages that I've been preaching, even though there may be parts of these sermons that, uh, that you feel like that you can shout with, and that's all right, go ahead and do that. But uh, probably more so than not, this, these are the kind of messages that, that we just sort of uh, sink our teeth into and we chew on a little bit because it would help us uh, to chew on some of these things a little bit to help us to be uh, better individuals, better Christians, better soul winners uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so that's what, we're, that's what we're talking about. And we want to deal with tonight on the subject. Last week, if you remember, we dealt with uh, on the subject of, of believing that the, beliefs, uh, the belief system that we have and we carry with, sometimes that belief system that we grew up with a particular belief system, we've, we've had to change our belief system as, we, as we've uh, got older and got more mature and understanding the Word of God a little more. Sometimes we've had to, we've had to totally overhaul our belief system and what we, what we believe in our, in our life concerning us, concerning our families, concerning what the, what the world says, um, and, and what the scripture says, all of those things. But tonight, we want to deal with our value system. We want to deal with values that we have within each and every one of us. If you look in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, the Bible says this. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed is he that hears the word of God and obeys the word of God. How many of you would agree with me that it's one thing to hear the word of God, but it's another thing to obey the word of God? One thing to hear it, one thing to be taught, one thing to listen, one thing to read the word of God. It's another thing to do what the word of God has to say. Now, we, we find ourselves in a, in a world of trouble in our nation today. Uh, turn me down just a little bit up here. I got a little roar, guys. We find ourselves in a in a world of trouble that that we find a lot of people are confused. Matter of fact, we heard some of that this morning by some of the ladies that was up here. A lot of a lot of confusion in our world tonight. There's a there's a there's a whole lot of folk that that are desperately trying to find themselves. There's a whole lot of companies, a lot of groups that's trying to find themselves. And in the midst of what seems like turbulence, we know, and as, as children of God, we can say that we know there's an anchor of the soul. And that anchor is in Jesus Christ. We know that that, that is the, the sure thing that we can stand upon. That is the rock in, in whom we can put our faith. That's the rock in whom we can put our trust. That's the rock that we can build our house, right? As a little song or a little saying that we said uh, growing up, you know, we, we don't want to build our house upon the sand because when the storms come and it blows all the, the sand away and it blows the house away. But when we build our house upon a rock of Jesus Christ, we know that mo no matter what storm may come, we know that that house will stand. Uh, and, we, and so we've, we, we, come, we come to moments like these in our nation. And, and we need to prepare our hearts. It's good for the child of God to prepare our hearts to hear the word of God. And we are aware, we're, we're understanding of the fact that, that we can live a better life than what we're living many times. Even in our world, these ladies, you heard it this morning. I mean, that was just prime of what they said. I found out, I recognized that all the things that I found myself involved in, it was no, doing me no good. And I had to fall on my face. I had to fall on my knees, whether it was in a, in a home somewhere, whether it was in a bedroom, whether it was in a jail cell, wherever the case may be, I had to fall on my knees and cry out for somebody bigger than I. Amen? Cry for somebody bigger than who I was and, 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 and more responsible than what I was and able to take me and, and change my life and change the course of my life. And that's, that's, the, that's the world that we live into. You know as well as I know that John 10 and 10 says that I've come that they may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. We preach that all the time. We say that all the time. But do we really apply that in our own, in our own heart? Jesus said this, and I've come that you might have life. I've come that you might have it more abundantly. Now, you've heard me say this before, that every week we deal with, we deal with all kinds of people. 
Uh, and I told the New Beginnings class this morning, it's almost on a, on a daily thing where people will come in and they'll either need help with utilities or gas or, or whatever the case may be. And we help some, some we're not able to help. This week has sort of been one of those weird, odd weeks of helping people. They've come in, come just one after another, it seems like every day. Matter of fact, I was hit, Brother Roger, with the first uh, this year or, or this week. Uh, I've never met uh, these two guys that come uh, this week, but when I saw them, Karen called me. And I was doing a little work at mom and dad's house, and I was frustrated during that day. And, and for whatever reason, something wasn't going right. And, and Karen called and said, you, there's two guys that's up here, and you need to come up here, and, and, uh, and you need to help them. And I, and I got, got to confess. You know, they say confession's good for the soul. And I, and I raised my voice a little bit. Karen said, I'm not coming. Tell them they're going to have to come back tomorrow. He said, well, pastor, I just can't believe you act like that. Well, I'm human too, Right. And so, because we've done help, I mean, it seemed like everybody that particular day, she says, I just don't know how to explain it to you. You're just going to have to come and see it for yourselves. So I got back in the truck, and I come back up here, and I walked into the gym, and I saw two young men that was painted silver from head to toe. Everything was silver. Nose, ears, face, clothes, hands, everything that I saw was silver. And my first response was, you got to be kidding me. How am I going to look at these guys and, and have passion and compassion on these guys? Because I just wanted to call them nuts and get out of here. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. And so they come and give me the story, you know, of what they were going to do and all this. They didn't have any food and they didn't have any gas and all those kind of things. And I did end up helping them with getting some food. I didn't give them no gas money or anything like that. But I can't stand to see people, if they're hungry, I'll, I'll, I'll give them some food. But their storyline, you know, it just it was 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 unbelievable. You know what they were saying, and so so we deal with people every every week that feels like they have no hope. We deal with folks that it seems like, and and, and they'll sit in my office. They'll say, Pastor, I, I don't know where else to turn. My first response is, Why are you calling me? And I'm not meaning that to be ugly. Why are you calling the church? If I'm your last resort, then why are you calling me if you've never stepped foot in a house of God? If you don't understand that God is your source, I'm not your source. Amen. Amen. The church here is not your source. God is your source. And every week they come, be they young, be they old, be they middle-aged, whatever the case may be, and they, and they recognize the fact that, that I may not go to church here and I may not fellowship with you, but they know the church is supposed to be a place to where people can get help, all right? And, and, and we've developed a value system in our communities and in our cities and in our states and in our government to where it says if, if, if I want it and you got it, then give it to me, okay? And if I need help, how many saw the, the, uh, the, the um, I can't remember where I saw it, but there was a, there was a lady on uh, news this past week had 15 kids, 15 kids. They had just evicted her from her house because she couldn't pay the rent, and she was in a hotel room, two full-size beds with 15 kids, single mama, was not over 50 or 40, I should say. Very young lady. And she made this statement. She said, somebody needs to take care of all these kids. That's what she said. Somebody needs to be responsible and accountable to take care of all of this that I've got behind me. Now, I, I just looked at that and I thought, well, where is your accountability? Where is your responsibility? But we've developed a value system within us that, that we think that we, that we have to have handouts many times. And when you look at that over from a spiritual side, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to serve the Lord. I just want him to give me this. Hello, church. I told you I'm going to shout too much, but it's still true. And if we're not careful, we get, into, we get into this mode of thinking, Brother Reigns. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me and what you can do for me and what God can do for me. But how many knows that we still are servants of the Most High God? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He was the greatest servant of all. And matter of fact, the Bible tells us that unless you humble yourself as a child, unless you humble yourself so much so as he did with Peter and the disciples when he washed their feet to be a servant to them. Matter of fact, Peter said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. The Lord said, well, if I can't wash your feet, then you're not having no part with me. 
he had a change of attitude. Not only my feet, God, but wash my hands and wash my head, wash everything, in other words. I want you to take care. And so we have to have a servant attitude and a servant spirit. But we've got this value system that we've got to change a little bit. <clears throat> there was a, a, a magazine which was called The First Steps. And there was an evangelist. Many of you know this evangelist by the name of Chuck Colson. And he, he, he asked this question. He says, can we really be good without God? Now think about that just a second. Can we really be good without God? And he makes this affirmation that for the past 30 years, when this, when this magazine came out, for the past 30 years, we have been secularizing America. We've been paying a dear price, Chuck Colson says. Matter of fact, how many members of a guy who was the Secretary of Education by the name of William Bennett, William J. Bennett, who was the Secretary of Education for the United States, he came up with this philosophy. He came up with this indicator of what he calls a cultural welfare since 1962. He said from that time, over a 30-year span, violent crimes increased 500%. Illegitimate births has increased over 400%. Divorces has increased over 400%. That's higher today. Child abuse has increased 300%. Children living with single parents has increased 300%. Teenage suicide increased 200%. And the index on the SAT scores taken by high school students decreased by 80 points on an average. 80 points on an average. He said this. He said the foundation of American values is no longer found in our Judeo-Christian heritage. But rather we have become a post-Christian nation. That's where we are today. We no longer have, serve a, a Judeo-Christian uh, basis or a foundation that, 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 we were, that we all, many of us, grew up with. But now we live in a post-Christian nation today. He says this. He said, for instance, he said, we know that 40 million Americans go to church at least four times a month. We know that 48% of Americans go to church at least twice or more per month. We know that more than 100 million Americans attend church at least once a month. He said, but however, we also know that the, in the polls taken of all the media personnel, which includes the journalists, the politicians, the people who move and shake and interpret policy, he said more than 86% of them say infrequently or they never attend church. Now think about this. And when you look at these statistics, you can understand then we operate on a different wavelength in the church rather than in the world. It's a different value system. It's totally different than how I grew up. It's totally different than how many of you grew up and what you've been taught about church and what you've been taught about principles and what you've been taught about integrity and character. Right? Right? I told you last week there was a lady I watched when me and Mildred was watching these home shows. She was 80, or was it Wednesday night, $80,000 over her budget about buying this house. But to her, she liked the house. Therefore, the $80,000 didn't mean nothing. Now, I don't know what kind of thinking that. That's, that's sort of messed up, screwed up kind of thinking. Because if I know that this is what I've got to afford on a house payment, I know that this is what I've got to, to purchase a house, that I know then I'm not able to go over that, right? I mean, that's just common sense. And if I walk into something, it don't matter if I like it or not. I can't afford it. But we live in a day and time with credit cards. We live in a day and time where we borrow money. We live in a day and time that if we like it and we want it, we're going to get it, right? And we'll worry about paying later. Right. This, this is where we live. And so we understand that we, that we, that we live in a different, a different wavelength. We serve a different wavelength here than, than our value system and how we were brought up. And here's the problem today. It's that our leadership has forgotten who we are. I'm talking, I'm talking where we come from. Now, look at, look at it with me from a whole. Our leadership has forgotten from where we come. Leadership has forgotten that this is and was still one nation under God. Different value system. 
indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It is forgotten that our first political document started out in the, in the New England Confederation by saying, in the name of God, amen. This is where we come from. It's forgotten that the Mayflower Compact said, we are coming to America to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ and to spread the gospel around the world. That's why they came. That's why they wanted to start a new world. It was forgotten that the American education system that did so well for countries was started by, not the government, but was started by the church. How many remembers that? Education system started in the house of God, not in the schoolhouse. Started in the house of God. And so we forgot about that. We forgot about that men like Jonathan Edwards, who is the president of Princeton University, preached the greatest sermon ever preached probably that was entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Many of you remember reading that, 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 that sermon. It was forgotten that Noah Webster, who published the first dictionary in 1828, listen to this, defined American language by biblical definitions. It was forgotten that Theodore Roosevelt said, it is more important to have a knowledge of the Bible than it is to have a college degree. Wow. Value system. And we've left that value system, it seems like, in America today. We've left all of those things. It was forgotten that the heart of democracy and freedom was our spiritual faith that every one of us grew up with. And we've sort of left out of that Judeo-Christian Judeo heritage that we was brought up with. Amen. Now, I know in, in, the, in the early church and when I was brought up and even when dad and, and some of you older, older men and women was brought up, they, they had some guidelines and, and, some, and some rules and, and sort of some regulations in some of the churches that probably had nothing to do with Scripture or the Bible or the Word of God. Nothing. But it was something that they were taught. It was a system, a value system that, they, that their mamas and daddies taught them and, and then their mamas and daddies taught them. But I'm not so sure that it was a bad thing, Right? You know, when I was brought up, and many of you, you know, you, you, all the guys had to wear short hair. I don't know that I've read anything in the Bible about the guys have to cut their hair, but that's how we was brought up. If you was to be a minister of the gospel, you had to have a, a black suit on and a white shirt and a skinny black tie. I don't have one of them tonight. Long sleeves. It was, I was brought up where women had to wear their hair stacked and stacked and stacked. And, and there was all kinds of things in that stack to make it stack. You, you follow me? You couldn't wear jewelry. You couldn't wear makeup. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't do any of those things. And I'm not so sure that all those was a bad thing, but it created in us a value system of where we are and what we was taught in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But now we've come a long ways from there, haven't we? A long way from there. And since there's a, a trend to this, to this new world order, so to speak, that brings us into a, a, a new kind of a domination that this new value system is placing upon us for our nation, we've got to understand a few things if we're going to get by. We've got to understand a couple of things if we're going to make heaven our home. And the first thing is this. You and I, we have to understand that there has to be an agreement on the underlying assumptions about life. We have to know about life and who owns life and who's the creator of life and who's the giver of life. We have to understand that. There's a lot of folks today that don't, don't believe in God. Matter of fact, you heard one of the ladies this morning said, I just I, I lost my belief system in God. I just didn't believe in him anymore. I was brought up in church. Isn't that amazing? Brought up in church her whole life, but yet she reached a place to where she'd come to understand, Sister Mavis, I don't believe him in, anymore because he's not done nothing for me. Now, I, I don't want to call you out tonight to make a spectacle of you, but I just want you to agree with me because I've done this. How many of you ever got to the place to where you feel like, Lord, I just want to throw my hands up and quit? I mean, be honest with yourself. I think all of us probably has got to that place before at one time in our life. But you know what held us? It's the value system that we were taught. It's the value system of knowing who God is. We had that belief system just, just built into us that God, even though I, I want to throw my hands up and quit, and even though things is not going like, like it needs to go, I'm not going to give up on you. How many of you have been, been enjoying reading the book of Job during your, your morning devotions and, and your Bible readings? How many still own the Bible readings every day? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. 
Go ahead and give yourselves a hand. <laughs> That's, you ought to be proud of yourself. Amen. I mean, for a year, I mean, some of you have been reading more scripture than you ever have. Think about that. And that's wonderful. You're getting the word of God in your, in your life. But when you read the book of Job, you'll hear his three friends just telling this and telling that. You've done this and your kid's done that. And why are you whining about this? And why are you mouthing about this? Then you hear Job's response. Saying, why are you talking to me that way? Why are you talking foolish to me? Why don't you understand this is going on and this is going on? And then he'll talk to God and back and forth and back and forth they'll go. Well, we've got to have a belief system. But, but the point I want to make is, is Job, in this matter of fact, I think it was this morning, Job finally got to the place. He said, I want you to understand something. Even though God may slay me, I'm going to trust him. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that he lives. And, and we've got to get to that place in our life that it doesn't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter what tragedies come our way. It doesn't matter what circumstances show their ugly face in our life. Brother Reigns, I've got to be able to stand firm and say, God, I don't understand what's going on. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't have an answer for it. But I'm still going to trust you no matter what. I'm still going to put my faith in you. I'm still going to hold on to what I know to be true. Amen. We've got to believe that. We, and that has to we, we have to, we have to come to that agreement in ourselves. Because I promise you, you know it as well as I know, I promise you, there's going to be times where we want to throw our hands up and say, God, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. This morning I was going to preach to you, and I'll, I'll preach it later sometime, but preach to you about hope. But one of the, one of the, one of the things that, that concerns us or concerns me many times with, with, with children of God, we get tired of things. And we lose hope because of fatigue and being so tired of dealing with problem after problem after problem. Matter of fact, I experienced a little bit of that this week when I told Karen, I said, I ain't coming back up there. Tell them to come back tomorrow. If they in need today, they'll have, be in need tomorrow. Tell them to come on back. So I was fatigued a little bit. And then we get frustrated at times when we're, when we're in that shape. And then fear begins to grip our hearts. And we don't know what direction to turn. Just like these ladies were saying this morning. We have no idea what direction to turn. And I'll tell you, we've got to understand, people. We've got to understand that the God that we serve is God that knows who we are. He cares about us. He understands everything that's going on in our life. And we can know, as Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives and I choose to stand firm on His word. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we've got to know that. God said to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. What is that talking about? You've got to talk to them. Got to talk to them. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Share what, what God has done for you. And that's a great lesson for us moms and dads even tonight, even with our kids. We need to tell the good things of Jesus Christ to our children. We need to, to develop that value system within them that when they grow up and they get out on their own. And I'm so fearful and so scared many times that we're not doing what we need to do. We're not doing what I need. I don't, I'm not doing what I need to do even with my children. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because when you read the, the, the statistics about our kids leaving home and leaving high school and going to college, and you understand that over 85% of them never step foot in the house of God anymore, that should be a little frightening to us. 85%. I'm talking about kids that grew up in church. And then you say, Lord, help me. Help me to do what I need to do to teach that value system or that belief system in our children today. Amen. When the word is alive, and it is, but when it's alive in our mouths, you and I know we have the power to overcome. We have the power to overcome. Whatever comes our way, whatever comes our way, we know that he that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. We know that we're overcomers because the, the word tells us that. We're made overcomers by the word of our testimony. We're overcomers tonight because of what we know. We're made overcomers tonight because of who we know in Jesus Christ. We're overcomers tonight. 
We've got to get back to, to Psalms 1 where it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. If that happens, then what's going to happen to us? What's going to happen? The Bible goes on to say, if, if, if we understand that, that he's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Hallelujah. How do, how do I get to that place, Pastor? Because that sounds like a wonderful life. How do we get to that place? We've got to understand we've got to be blessed because we're walking in the precepts and the understanding of the Word of God. Amen. The shout won't do it for you. The tears won't do it for you. I'm telling you, church, listen to me. I love the shout. I love you. You know that already. We love a good worship service, but that's not going to help us to stand in the tough times. It's not going to hold us up when the winds and the storms come. It's not going to sustain us when all the calamity of Job. I mean, you think about what happened to Job. In one day, all these things took place. He didn't know what else to do, just rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes. He'd go out and lay in the dirt. That's all he knew to do. But he understood that he had a faith and a hope in the Lord. And you and I, we've got to get to that place as well, amen? If, you, if, if we want to answer to the prosperity of this nation, if we want to answer to the, to the economic woes of this nation, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be more meetings. It's not going to be when the Republicans and Democrats get together and they decide another health care bill. Amen. I, 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 I don't even know. I, I've told you this two or three times, but I don't even think we have saw what's fixing to happen with this health care. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying there's some things on the horizon they're not telling. And they're hiding a lot of things. I'm, I'm not trying to be a doom, gloom, and despair preacher. Hear me wrong. I'm trying to get us to understand don't put your trust in health care. Don't put your trust in government. Don't put your trust in our president or anybody up there that's leading. I don't care who it was. I don't care if it was Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter to me. You got to put your trust in Almighty God. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the answer to these economic woes and, and the answer to these difficulties that we talk about is simply the Scriptures. It's simply the Word of God. If we'll just learn to follow the Word of God. Follow the plan. I don't know about you, I, I just keep going back this morning to the ladies that when they were talking and even while they were singing their song, it, it was almost like you could see just a ray of, of hope and a, just a ray of God on their faces. They just shined with that. And it let me know they had an experience with God. And like the one lady that come up and said, you know, we, I say we know God and we love God, but I'll tell you, I really fell in love with God. We've got to get to that place where we really fall in love with the Lord. <clears throat> We've got to follow the principles of the scriptures. Amen. Peter said, Peter said, Lord, we have left all to follow you. We've left all to follow you. Where are we going to go? Remember when the Lord asked that, are you two going to leave? Lord, we've left, we've left everything to follow you. Where, where are we going to go? And he got to that place, and, and the Lord looked at him and said, Peter, you have to understand, you, you have left everything to follow me. In this world, you're going to get a hundredfold more than you have ever had. And in the world to come, you're going to have eternal life. There's going to be some situations, in other words, to come up. Peter, you're going to be challenged. The enemy is going to come and is going to sift you. He's going to come and throw some things at you. He's going to come and try to take you off your, your high horse. And you've got to understand, you've got to trust in me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. I love the story about Peter. When, when all this stuff took place, Peter didn't know what to do, so he just went back to fish. That's what he knew. He went back fishing. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have no idea, Brother Rains, where to go or what to do. See, we've all got to that place before where God, we just want to throw our hands up. Because of the value system that we have is not solid, and we, we needed it to be more than what it was. And I'm trying to tell us tonight, we've got to get to that place where that value system and that belief system in the Lord Jesus Christ is going to stand firm no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, when, when Jesus answered Peter and they were talking, he, uh, he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. 
Blessed rather those who hears the word of God and obey it. That's the key to our values. That's the key to our values. You know what, what instilled values in me? Well, my mom and dad, number one, they instilled some values in me. Whether it was by the rod or whether it was by instruction, they instilled some values. But you know what else did? I remember as a kid going to the little church and listening to the men on one side of the church praying. And it sounded like heaven was coming down on Sunday evenings. And they'd meet in a room or meet at the front and they'd start praying. I've never heard praying like that before. And then I would hear the women on the other side and they would be praying. And they would meet and they would seek God for, for 30 minutes to an hour of praying, just praying before the service. And I can remember as a child growing up, those Sunday night services were powerful, powerful services. Why do you think that is, Pastor? you think it because the, the preacher there was just a dynamic uh, a man of God? No, it was because the men and women gathered together to pray and to call heaven down. And I remember times, even as a kid, you've heard my testimony, where, where we would stay at 10 and 11 and 12 o'clock at nights seeking God. How many has ever been there before? Staying in the altar areas. But now, it seems like that if you call a prayer meeting, you can't get folks to show up to pray. Just being honest with us, church, because God's been dealing with me a lot about that myself. And we've allowed the world to come in, and the value system of the world has taken hold. Oh, yeah, we know about God. We know about faith. We know about trust. We know about love. We know about the scriptures. We know about all those things. But I'm talking about we need a relationship with the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything. If Noah Webster can say, or Theodore Roosevelt said, you, you, need to know the, you need to know the Bible more so than you need a college education, that wouldn't stand today, would it? Because we're all about education today. We're smarting ourselves to death. But I remember a scripture, Brother John, where it says, I'll use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The foolish things of the world to confound the wise. What is, a, what is a value? What is a value? When you think about a value, a value is, is that inner conviction that we have. That value, is it, it comes alive when nobody else is around. That value holds up, Brother Adam, when nobody knows what we're doing. Nobody makes those decisions for us. It, and, and, and temptations comes and all these things. That value system that we have, that, that, that we need to be grounded in, it comes to life right there. That inner conviction. It's a, it's a principle that, that reflects that moral idea that we have that governs our thoughts. That governs our actions and what we do. What we say, where we go. How we say it, all of those things. We determine our rules and we determine our relationships by the choices about those inner convictions that we have, right? You, you think about it. We, we determine all of those things. The problem that Jesus had, he was dealing here, he was with these Pharisees. They had a wrong set of, of values. They had a wrong set of beliefs. And Christ brought them back to the fact that the reason that they didn't understand uh, what was going on was that they simply not heard the word of God. They preached it all the time. They spoke it all the time. But they didn't listen to the word of God. It's sort of like last week when I told you about the, the pastor from Mount Nebo preaching, preaching about the adulterous woman. He said, here we have Jesus that woke up early in the morning going to the temple to teach. And the church folk wasn't there. Church folk. The church folk wasn't fishing. The church folk wasn't out in a boat somewhere. The church folk, matter of fact, wasn't even on vacation. But there's at the prostitute's house. Now you, you grab onto that just a little bit. Jesus is there in the temple. He's teaching. And the church folk, the scribes and the Pharisees, caught this lady in the very act, the Bible said, and brought her to Jesus. <laughs> And so, Jesus got a, he, he told him, he said, look, you, you, you know the word, you've been taught the word, but you're not listening and hearing the word, it's not in your heart. And so this voice of values, it has to speak to us today. 
If, we, if, we, if we're going to have a better life, if we're going to help us to be a better person, then every one of us has got to determine, because of that value system, how we're going to live, uh, whether the beliefs that we're going to have is going to be toward the Lord or not toward the Lord. All those things of decisions that we make, every one of us, uh, depending on what we do tomorrow and the next week and next month, all of those things is determined by our value system. Now, you know what I'm talking about. There's just, there's just some places I'm not going to go, period. Doesn't matter, right? You, you're the same way. There's just some things I'm just not going to do. I've never had a problem, Sister Marilyn, with drugs, never. And I'm thankful for that. And so I know already I'm not going to go out and get high. That's a given. I'm not going to do it. Everybody can't say that, though, can they? Because it's, they're, they're hooked, and, and, it's, and it's got their, their hold on them, and they're struggling. And I understand that struggle to some extent, not like they understand it, but I understand to some extent that, that the enemy just wants to hold and squeeze on them. I know already, Sister Jeanette, I'm not going to go out and get drunk. I've never had a problem with alcohol. Thank God for it. But a lot of folks can't say that tonight because they're bound by alcoholism. And we need to love them and we need to allow Jesus to come in and, and minister to them and save their soul. I understand all of that. There's some things that we're just not going to do simply because of the value system that's already in our life today. And so we determine that because of those convictions and all of those things. But I'll tell you, every one of us, every one of us is susceptible that the enemy knows our weak sides. He knows our weak areas. And even though I may not go out and get drunk, and even though I know I'm not going to go out and get high on drugs, the enemy knows my weaknesses. And he will come at that very moment that I'm the most weakest. Have you ever noticed that? And he'll hit. He'll say those little things in our ears. He'll try to, to throw us off track. And those are the times, that's what, I, that's what I'm talking about tonight, those, those are the moments that we have to rely on that belief system and that value system that God has placed and we have in our life to stand firm for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The reason that people have so much trouble today dealing with, with problems, when you think about it, is, is that there's no absolutes anymore. There's no absolutes. You, you and I have to understand, and I told you this last week, but we've got to understand that we are in a spiritual battle tonight, a spiritual war tonight. I hope you understand what I'm saying because we have people in our church right now, people in our church that's struggling every day, people in our church that I, that I weep over because of the struggle that they're having to stay connected with God. They're They're struggling. And it's really, sometimes it's no fault of their own. It's just they've allowed themselves to, to get outside of, 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 of the umbrella of the Lord. And the enemy's got, the, got his clutches on them. And if you're not struggling with anything tonight, hallelujah, you need to thank God for that. But there's so many people that's in our community that's struggling every day and every night. And they use the alcohol and they use the drugs and they use whatever they can use to find some hope and find some help. But only it doesn't come in that. We know that. It doesn't come with that way. And we need to lift them up. We need to pray for them. But they're struggling today because there's no absolutes. We're in warfare. We're battling the enemy. We're battling the enemy. And you say, well, pastor, how long has that been going on? You can go all the way back to Adam and Eve. You'll find it's been going on ever since then. Still going on. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I... Please listen to this scripture. I know this is a familiar scripture, but listen to me. Our battle tonight is not with flesh and blood. Mm -mm. It's against rulers. It's against the authorities. It's against the powers of the dark world and against spiritual forces in the heavenly places, in heavenly realms. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. I don't need to tell you this, but we get so wrapped up in fighting flesh today in church. We, we war with one another. We battle with one another. And the scripture plainly tells us we don't, we're not, that's not our struggle tonight. It's not our struggle. My struggle is with the enemy. My struggle is with the devil. My struggle is with his devices. 
My struggles with him trying to come and destroy our families within our churches. My struggle tonight is trying to keep people in the church instead of out of the church. My struggle as your pastor is trying to pray for individuals that needs prayer and needs salvation moved into their heart. That's the struggle that we're it's not it's not with flesh tonight. My war is not with you. It's not with you. It's against the enemy that's fighting you and me. That's that's our battle tonight. Amen. Amen. But it all starts with absolutes. It all starts with absolutes. I'm not going to bore you because I don't have a lot of time. I'm not going to bore you with the, with the with the statistics here. But 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 you want, you go on just go online and you read the statistics about lying. You you go and read the statistics about immorality tonight in our nation. You read the statistics about infidelity. You go and read the in, the, the the statistics on broken relationships and business deals and all of those things. You go read all of that if you want to. And then we 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 laugh many times because we live in this day and time in this culture and this value system. We laugh many times when somebody says, "Well, I'm going to send I'm going to send the check. It's in the mail today." We know it's not. I've had people come and needing help. Said, "Pastor, I'm going to pay you back." I've not had one person to come pay me back yet. Not one. Now, I've never given it to them, Brother Raines, with the, with the heart that I want them to come pay it back. Never have. Because I already know they're not coming back. They're not. I've had people to leave their Social Security number. I've got Social Security numbers in my office right now that I could rip off a whole bunch of folk. I promise you. i got a computer full of them because I get all that information. I know where they live. I know the phone number. I know the Social Security number. I know their wife's cat's name. I got it all. So if I wanted to rip them off, I could. But I know they're not coming back. <laughs> they, they don't have nothing. So you can read all of that. And that's, that's the system that we live in. Why? Simply because there's no absolutes. No values. No values. And we, when, when, we, when we know that we're in spiritual warfare... The only way we can fight this spiritual battle is by simply having those value systems and that set of absolutes in our life. Look, church, it, we don't have, we're, we're living in the last days. We, it's not time for us to throw our hands up and quit. No, no, no. We've got we've to run to the Father. I mean run to Him. We can't run away from Him. We've got to run to the Father. Don't throw your hands up and quick. The enemy, you know how the enemy works? It's like this. He doesn't cause our circumstances. Now, let's think about this. He doesn't necessarily cause our circumstances nor our problems. Satan causes us to react and to respond to our circumstances and to respond to our problems in a way that is, that is harmful to ourself. That's, that's, the, that's the trick of the enemy. He causes us to, to, to react a certain way. Amen. React a certain way. We can either either respond in fear or we can respond in faith. When something bad happens, we respond in fear or we respond in faith. When the tragic telephone call comes to us, we respond in fear or we respond in faith. We feel the loss or the disconnection, the emptiness, but we know that there's a power that's in us tonight that is greater than the power of the world. Amen. We know that already. And we have to choose how we respond to that, to that problem. Hallelujah. The final thing that we understand tonight, we've, and that we know about the absolute spirit within us, that it gives us power. It gives us power over the activity of the enemy. It gives us power over the acti- activity of the enemy. Satan is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not any of those things that we talked about the other night about our Lord and Savior. You know what he is? He's an imitator. He imitates. That's all he knows how to do. He lies and he imitates. That's that's the confusing thing to us. He imitates everything God does. He's a deceiver. He sows tares among the wheat. Amen. He tries to hinder the prayers of the saints. He blinds people's eyes to the truth. He deceives in a way that brings confusion and frustration and fear in our life. He over he over magnifies situations. You ever known anybody that way before? He over magnifies situations. And when we and when they overreact, we overreact. Hello? And when he gets us in a position to of that overreaction, we lose our sense of control. 
We thought we had it all together. But because of all this stuff that's going on and, and everybody's losing their temper. <laughs> have, you, have you ever just talked to yourself a little bit and said, okay, you got to calm down. Just calm down. All right? Because you feel it boiling up on the inside. you got to speak to Just calm down. Calm down. Don't allow yourself to go there. Don't allow yourself to get in that position. Just calm down a little bit. And we, we lose that sense of control because he begins to dominate and he leads us into that path that you and I, we, I promise you, we don't want to go. We don't want to go. <laughs> Absolutes speak of maturity. Absolutes speak of being blessed and powerful. Absolutes speak of, of hearing the word of God and knowing the word of God. How many knows that hearing is very important? To listening to the Lord. It's very important. The truth is there's, there's more hearing than just, than, than, than just getting information. We have to listen. We have to listen. We have to listen to what God is saying to us tonight. Amen. Christ tells us we have to hear and obey. Because we know obedience is better than what? And sacrifice. Philippians 4 and 4 it says, But in the midst of all that he wrote to the church of, of Philippi, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. 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 Rejoice in doing what is right. Rejoice in doing what, what, what needs to be done. Amen. How many knows that we don't mature by, by doing and learning all the things we know about personality? We don't, we don't mature by doing and learning. That's important. Don't get me wrong. All those things are wonderful. We're, we're not going to mature by, by, by self-adjustment. Those are good. We have to do that at times. We're not going to mature by those self-made help classes and, and those, those books that we can read. Nothing wrong with them. They're, they're wonderful. All those things are helpful. We don't mature by, by going to seminars or, or cultivating new learning by a three-step program and all these kind of things. They're, they're good. We, we understand that. But we've got to hear. We've got to obey. It's got to be worth our while because the greatest psychological passage in the Bible tells us we want to be blessed. We want to have a better life. We want peace. We want prayer prosperity we all want that if I, if we're if we're sensible tonight we all want those things and we simply need to listen and hear and obey the word of God if that's what we want amen we've got to listen to that and it all starts from the inside it all starts from the inside and in closing tonight let me let me close with this little story there was an American tour, tourist couple that went to the passion play one time and and they got there a couple days early and it was the opening of the passion play and so they went one evening to watch uh, uh, the uh, the rehearsal of the passion play the actors was on stage and they were brushing up and on their parts and finalizing all the preparation and all of those things uh, and and they they took a break and there was a break in the in the in the uh, uh, rehearsal and all of those kind of things and and the lady thought well wouldn't it be wonderful if my husband could, could have his picture taken holding the cross of Jesus Christ at the Passion Play. And so they went down and they asked and they got permission for, for them to go on the stage and for the husband to, to grab that cross and, and, uh, and take pictures with it. And the husband went up on stage and, and he got the cross and he placed it uh, up under on his shoulder and he started to lift it up. But he understood that it, he noticed that it was heavy and he staggered and he struggled to get that cross lifted up so his wife could take a, a, a picture of him. There were some people standing around. They, they sniggered at him a little bit and laughed at him a little bit, poked, poked fun with him a little bit. And finally, he took the, they, she took the picture and he set the cross back down. But he asked Jesus, the guy that was playing Jesus, he said, why did you make this cross so heavy? Why did you make it so heavy? Why did you make it out of, out of paper mache or aluminum or, or some kind of light uh, wood or something like that? No one in the audience would even know the difference if you had done that. And the guy playing Jesus looked at him and said, Sir, do you think I could play the part of Christ and not feel the weight of the cross? Many of us, there's no way, listen to me church, there is no way that we can live the better life until we feel the weight of the cross. It only comes by the way of the cross. It only comes by the way of the cross. We can live a consistent Christian walk if we want to. Are y'all following what I'm, what I'm saying? I know there's ups and I know there's downs. I understand all that. 
But I'm talking on an average, we can live a consistent Christian walk if we want to. We do not have to be caught up with the world. We do not have to be caught up with what, what the world is saying to us tonight. Mm -mm. We can live a consistent Christian walk. There are absolutes that give us power to withstand satanic pressure. There's absolutes that we know about. Job said, God, I know that you live. Slay me if you want to. I know that you're going to live. Kill me if you want to. I know that you're still living. I'm going to see you one day. He had that. Man, he had something within him. He lost his fortune. He lost his family. Lost everything. I was talking to one of the ladies at lunch today. And she said, one thing I forgot to tell the church when I was giving my testimony is when God restored me with my, he, she, you remember her standing here, right here? And she said, God restored me with, with all of my family. You remember that? She said, what I forgot to tell them, not only did God restore me with my family, he gave me extra. I said, what are you talking about? She said, there was two adopted kids that come back to me. He restored everything and then some. And I got to thinking about old Job. Brother Adam, how God restored everything that he lost and then some. That's the kind of God that we serve. But in order for us to understand of living this life, this better, this, this better life that we need to live, we have to know. We have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. We have to know that there's, there's a value system within us. We have to know that there's absolutes within us. We have to know that no matter what comes our way, we're going to stand firm for the Lord. Amen. Amen. And again, it's not in the shout. It's not in the raised hand. It's not in the tongues. It's not the running around here. It's not the jumping up and down. Now, please, please don't go out of here saying, Pastor, don't want us to run around no more. He don't want us to shout no more. He says that's not biblical. I didn't say that. It is biblical, and we need to do it, and you can do it. Feel free to do it. Worship God. But I will tell you, those, those things in itself will not sustain us. We've got to have something more than that. We've got to have something more than that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Michelle, would you come quickly, please, if you, if you don't mind. I want to ask you to stand tonight. I want to ask you to bow your heads. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, I want to thank you tonight for your word. I want to thank you because, God, I know that your word sustains us. Your word keeps us. Your word, oh God, it, it puts roots to us. And we choose to stand on your word. <clears throat> God, there's a lot of things in our world that's going on that we don't understand tonight. There's a lot of things that's going on in our nation, in our culture that just seemingly goes totally against the Word of God. And God, those things is not going to sustain us in the end. It's not going to keep us. When you think about the disciples and the apostles, Lord, I often think about Judas and how he spent time with you. He walked with you. He saw the miracles. He was a first-hand witness of the healings but yet God he lost out in the end he lost out and God that tells me tonight that we can come to church every day of our life that tells me tonight we can we can have the shout we can see the miracles we can witness all the wonderful things of you and still lose out in the end if we're not grounded in you Judas got his eyes off the master. Got it on worldly things. God, help us as your people tonight to keep our eyes and keep our focus upon you.